<laughs> well, thank you, JD. Um, that's hard to follow. Um, welcome, everybody. So glad that you guys are, are here. Um, we're going to uh, take some time and, and, and dive into some things, but if you don't know who I am, again, my name is uh, Josh Whitlow, and uh, just honored to be here. Uh, you guys, if you're in this room, church planners, leaders, uh, you guys are uh, my hero, our heroes, and uh, we're not going to take this time to really dive in. I don't really feel like I have, um, we're going to go over some principles, but before I do, I just want to take a second and uh, do what ARC does in honor. Uh, we, none of us would be here, I don't believe, without uh, the lead team, ARC, uh, Pastor Greg, Pastor Dino, Pastor Chris, and everybody. Um, my beautiful wife is here on the front row who co-leads. Come on, how many had a good wife? All the men said a good, a, yeah, amen. Uh, um, baby, would you stand up? Would you guys put your hands together for my beautiful wife, Crystal? I love you, babe. And she's my best friend and ministry partner. If you want to break a thousand, you got to have a good wife. Uh, and uh, that's, a different, that's a different breakout altogether. And also just want to take a quick second and honor uh, uh, my parents who have been in the ministry for over 50 years. And uh, I'm, I come from five generations of church planters on my dad and my mom's side. Um, and so it, talking about a head start, I feel uh, just blessed. And mom and dad, we love you. Uh, and I, obviously I wouldn't be here, but there's a lot of churches across America uh, that wouldn't be here because of your influence and your leadership and your investment and your sacrifice. And so would you guys stand too? I just want the whole room to see who you guys are. Come on. 50 years of faithful ministry. And uh, if my dad blows you up, uh, like he has a lot of people already, if you haven't had a chance to meet my dad, just come up in the front. He's really going to bless you uh, if you haven't already been blessed <laughs> today since you've been at, been at Ark. Also, I don't know if they're in here. Is my brother Charlie and Jill? I don't think they're in the room. They're the ones that took over my dad's church um, in 2010 and sent Crystal and I uh, to Richmond, Virginia, just over five years ago, paid our salary for the first year, invested and loved on us, and they're not here, but uh, how many know that you can never do anything that we're doing if you're doing it by yourself? And uh, I just, I just I feel blessed and I feel fortunate. I'm gonna give you a little uh, about me. I think we'll connect a little bit better if you know a little bit about who I am. Uh, I was obviously raised in the church um, my whole entire life, served on staff every single position for 10 years. I tried to run from the Lord like a lot of people do in the middle of that. I have a brother. Uh, both of my brothers have doctorate degrees in ministry from Fuller, and I was stupid. And uh, I just didn't have that gift. And I mean, no, you can only listen to your brothers like talk on the phone in Greek so long to each other. And uh, I just remember wanting to run and not wanting to do anything in ministry. And my outlet for that was in 2000. Right after 9-11 in 2002, I, I saw a commercial. I knew we were going to war, and I don't know what happened to me, but I ran in the very next day and enlisted in the United States Marine Corps. And um, my, I, 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 I was wise, because if you have a strong father like I do, I had to wait until my dad was on a missions trip to Europe. And uh, when he came back home, I said, I love you, Dad. I'm leaving in two weeks for Paris Island. And uh, God really shaped, used those four years to form me and shape me. And uh, came back in 2006, didn't re-enlist because of the love of my life, fell in love, wanted to get married, and uh, wanted to stay faithful in a church, never wanted to be the lead guy, never wanted to be a senior pastor. 
and uh, just felt like during that time of development and serving my dad and my brother. I mean, there's nothing like family ministry. Anybody have family that's in ministry that you're doing it with? The Lord bless you. We need to have a prayer circle right after this breakout. Um, but the Lord just began to stir in us, and in 2000, 2015, uh, we left Community Church in Northern Virginia, parachuted into Richmond, Virginia with nobody, with nothing um, other than love and support. Come on, and a faithful God started, built a launch team to a whopping 25. The awesome, faithful 25 in our backyard, and uh, it's, we just celebrated four years, February of 2015, and uh, we launched with 365 and wore that thing all the way down to 118. Anybody else have that gift? The 118 gift? That's where we were, and uh, it's been an amazing ride so far, and uh, we renovated a CVS facility, 18,000 square feet, two years ago. Um, it seats 450 people, um, maybe 500 if you squeeze them in. So I'm just here as a testament. I, I, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm not up here. I'm still trying to actually, Christian and I were trying to figure out why they asked uh, us to be up here. We, we're still trying to figure out a lot what we're doing. As a matter of fact, when they asked us to, to lead this breakout, I had to get the team, the staff together and was like, what did we do? <laughs> like, like how, did we, how did we do it? Because if I'm honest with you, there, there's no, and I believe this, not only for us, but I believe for everybody in the room, I don't think there's a boilerplate template that are 10 principles that I'm going to give you that's going to make you break a thousand. I do think there are some principles and I do think there are some values that we're learning. We have not learned them. We're fighting for these values. Uh, and so I hopefully just over the next several minutes, I just want to share some of these values of things that we're learning from churches that have broken the thousand growth barriers. Is that going to be okay? Um, so again, I, this is, you're going to have to take these, apply them to your context, apply them to your zip code, apply them to your city, uh, apply them to your place. Um, and so I'm just going to, again, I'm going to share some of these values that we're learning uh, from some of the churches. Um, and then we're going to end this thing hopefully with some Q and A and I want to spend some time there. I'm going to invite some of my friends, uh, to come up at the end, uh, cause they're a lot better at answering questions than I am. But let me give you some of these growing churches that are, have broken the thousand growth barrier, have some of these things in common. And the first one is every single church that's broken this threshold of a thousand people. They're always, always number one, write it down, fighting for culture. They're always, always fighting for culture. Culture is one of those sexy church words. Come on. Nobody knows what it means. Matter of fact, the best definition that I've heard of culture that said that I heard it said like this, that culture is like pornography. It's hard to define, but you'll know it when you see it. And uh, every single church you need to know has a culture. It's the values that drive the behaviors of your church. It's how you, it's how you roll. And uh, we, we've tried to work at defining and learn this from so many, so many other churches that the culture in your church is de determined on what you create and allow based on what you celebrate and correct. Let's say that again. Culture in your church is determined based on what you create and allow based on what you celebrate and correct. And when we talk about church culture for everybody, uh, and let me just say this, when I'm saying I'm right here with you guys, again, this is not an elevated thing. I'm learning right along with you guys. How many know spring break just hit Richmond, Virginia? And uh, so we're, we're fighting this battle. We had below a thousand uh, on spring break, but I, I believe in what I've learned from a lot of guys that have broken this is that every single one of us, when we're trying to break the thousand threshold and you're trying to define your culture, is that your culture in your church, the culture in all of our churches is a direct reflection based off of your leadership and the leaders that you appoint. You're not gonna be able to justify or blame the culture of your church on somebody else. 
The culture that you have in your church is the very culture, listen, that we've created, we've allowed based on what we celebrate or based on what we correct. Does that make sense? Um, and so I think some of the, and let me just get real practical here. I think some of the best church cultures that I've seen, that one of the things that we're trying to develop in our church culture um, is the best, most healthy church cultures are ones that are based on trust and honesty. Listen, in love. Trust and honesty in love. And I believe one of the most culture building statements that any pastor and leader can make, are you ready for this? It's not gonna be what you think, you ready? One of the most culture building statements a pastor or leader can make, you ready? I'm sorry, I was wrong. I know you wanted to be something more pro pro prophetic and I'm the leader and I'm Moses coming down with the 10 commandments. No, the most trust building culture that you can ever just say as a pastor and as a leader. And I think if you have never said that, you should try it because we're not always right. I was wrong. You were right. I'm sorry. I was wrong. We had this early on in our church. I remember we were right around the four or 500 mark, maybe a little bit smaller than that. Um, and I did not like the culture that we had. And I was blaming a lot of the people that I had appointed into leadership that they were responsible for spreading a culture that I didn't want. And I had to come to this realization. And so we just called like a random team night at our house. I had about 30 people in our family room, uh, in our living room. And this, I wrote it down because I, I was trying to, I didn't want to over-exaggerate what I said, but I remember specifically these 30 core leaders, core people in our family room. And my wife was sitting right next to me. And I remember looking at all of them and I'm saying, I have a real problem trusting you guys to lead. And then I went even further. I said, here's why I'm having a hard time trusting you guys to lead because I'm worried. And I'm worried about two specific things. I want to give them to you because I really think that there might be some people in the room that are, that are dealing with this, like trusting and, and give, allowing people to lead. And I said, I'm worried because I think people are going to leave. And I'm worried people are going to leave because they're serving based on the relationship that they have with me and Crystal. So when why you got started becomes the last thing you remember, everything becomes inconvenient. If you don't remember why and it becomes, the why becomes a who, then you just, your culture's already out the window. And I'm worried because people leave. And then I said, I'm also worried because our excellence and the quality of what we're doing are gonna go down. How many know I was, I'm not a very good leader. I just had to be real and I had to, I had to be honest. And here's what I realized that when I was able to actually be honest and gain some trust that nothing built our culture, then like in that moment, nothing built the culture of our church other than, more than I should say, a leader that's just willing to take responsibility uh, because what I've learned and what I'm trying to learn is that one sincere response to a failure or mistake will do more for your culture than a hundred successes. One just sincere response. We tried it and guess what? It didn't work. I'm sorry. And, and by the way, you better get used to hearing that because we're going to keep trying and not everything we're going to do is going to work. And I'm going to keep saying, I'm sorry. And I'm going to keep, can't. you got to formulate a safe place where your people can see you be vulnerable because if you're not leading it, they'll never be vulnerable with you. They'll always hide the things, listen, that are keeping them from growing because you haven't fostered a place where they can just open up and say, you know what? I was wrong. Would you, would you, please, would you please forgive me? How, how, how do we build culture? Let me give you these three, and we're going to jump to this other one. How do you build culture in your church? Number one, you can write it down is you got to model it. You got to model it, senior pastor, leader, because what you want people to bleed, you better be ready to hemorrhage. What you want people to bleed in your church, you better be ready to hemorrhage because if it's not in you, it's never going to be in them. If you want a culture of generosity, you better start giving away everything you have. If you want a culture of honesty, you better start being honest. If you want a culture of honor, you better stop waiting for people to honor you. And you better start honoring everybody else around you. 
If it's not in you, and listen, it cannot be fabricated and it cannot be quasi. It has to be genuinely from you. The culture of your church is being shaped by you. If it's not in you, don't try to make it in your church. People are going to be like, what in the world is going on? Or something's off here. There's, this, is, this, is, this, is, this is not working. So if it's not in you, it's, it's never going to be in them. You got to model it. You got to model it. Number two, you got to monitor it. Monitor it. You got to keep your thumb on the pulse. How many know you can never set and leave your culture? Culture's like vision. It leaks. It drifts. When's the last time you just took an honest evaluation of the culture in your church? Many of you are here, you're frustrated because you can't break a thousand. Why can't you break a thousand? We got to stop blaming other people and just take an honest evaluation of what's the culture and am I responsible? You ready for this? The answer is yes. Because everything rises and falls on leadership, leadership. If you're not monitoring it, I promise you, your culture is going to get hijacked. Your worship culture got hijacked. Your serving culture got hijacked. People aren't responding to your dream team request because they got hijacked. Why? Because we, we don't like to monitor. We like to set it and just leave it. No, it's got to be always, always, always monitored, monitored, monitored. And the third one, you got to mold it, mold it, mold it. You got to model it. You got to monitor it. You got to mold it. What is that? You got to start celebrating and correcting. Come on. You got to, when you see something, say something. You see it, man, celebrate the fire out of it. You see something that you can't stand. You got to, you got to say something right then and there. Um, and you're only going to be able to withdraw. Come on from people. If you're depositing, we, we do this a lot in our culture of our church out of relationships. I'm a highly, highly relational per person. I'm not super systems. If you need to learn systems, you need to come up and talk to my best friend uh, in the world, Pastor Janie, the, the most incredible leaders on planet earth, but we're very, very, we're very relational and you're not going to be able to make a withdrawal unless you're depositing in these people relationally, loving these people, bringing them in, uh, because you need to know confrontation without love is nothing but a fight. Oh, Did you hear what I said? Many of you are trying to, to correct something without investing in the thing you're trying to correcting. And now you're wondering why they're casting off restraint and why they can't respond to anything that you're saying. We gotta, we gotta, come on, we gotta, we gotta make a deposit so we can withdraw. Is that making sense? Model it, monitor it, mold it. You gotta fight for the culture. Come on, fight for the culture. Number two, you gotta develop leaders. Woo! Develop leaders. I'm by no means the expert to talk on this, <laughs> on this subject at all. Uh, there's so many other better leaders that are probably, that are in this room. Uh, than I am, but I know that nothing is going to work in your church as long as everything has to go through you. The number one, as a matter of fact, they say the number one growth killer, the number one thing that kills church growth is the leader who tries to do everything. How many senior pastors? I mean, I'm not even, you've been there. Come on, leaders, senior pastors, you got to do everything. And what's difficult, especially if you planted in the beginning, you did have to do everything. And we've been unable to transition from setting up the pipe and drape, loading up the trailer and doing everything. And now your church is 700 people and you're still setting up the pipe and drape and you're still micromanaging everybody. And you're wondering why nobody will step up and lead. They don't trust you to lead because they don't have to, because you're going to come right behind them and do it, do it anyway. Uh, and then you get into this. We get, we, I think we all just kind of fall in this trap that leaders that should be leading start doing. And the result is you're burnt out. You're tired. You're angry. You're resentful of the calling that God put on your life. And the very pastor and leader who begged God to use them starts complaining when he does, and he starts using them, and you're frustrated, and we're not the only one that goes through this. The best leader, I believe, in the whole entire Bible, come on, Moses, leading millions of people. Lord, help him. Millions of people. 
went through the same thing. I don't have time to go on. You need to look it up if you've never taught this to your team. Numbers chapter 11, I love this. His response, he's finding himself burnt out, frustrated, angry at the results that he's getting and trying to lead. He asked God, he said, why did you put the burden of all these people on? <laughs> why did you put the burden of all these people on me? How many know you can view the people that you're leading as a burden or a blessing? And if we're not careful, if we're not developing leaders, those people that God gave you to lead will become a burden to you. And you're going to be in your prayer closet asking God why. What's the problem? I cannot, he says, I cannot carry all these people by myself. And the reason I can't is because the burden is too, what? Heavy for, if you read this verse, you got to get in your numbers. He says me and I more than I've ever heard in my, the burden's too heavy for me. Of course it is because it was never designed for you to carry by yourself. And then he says, it's interesting that I think we've all probably said, if this is how you're going to treat me, Lord, go ahead and kill me. If this is how the dream team's going to do me, go ahead and kill me. If this is how people are going to respond when I send out serve requests, go ahead and go ahead and kill me. And so we start taking and doing and doing, and we're not leading. And we need to understand again that when we do a job for others, I take a job from others over and over and over again, keeps other people from growing. I hear this all the time. We face it. I've said it a hundred times, but I just don't have the right people. I don't have the right people. I don't have the right worship leader. I don't have the right kids person. I don't have the right admin assistant. I don't have the right, 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 right. Hey, can I just, this is a, this is a stress reliever for everybody. You know this, the right people do not exist. The right people do not exist. The right people are developed and found in your church. I believe that God has everything you need within your church right now to help you break a thousand people. Your worship leader that you need, you might not see them, but he's probably working at Starbucks and just waiting to be tapped on and developed. Let me give you, let me give you how we do this because I, I got to go and I'm going to turn this over because again, there's lots of other people that are better at developing. You got to have a pipeline. We, 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 we've created five things that help us develop leaders and I want to give them to you really quick and hopefully they'll be able to help you. Number one, how we develop leaders is you got to first identify you got to first identify some people. We do that through a little system here. And you guys have probably used something that's better or heard of it. We like to use the acronym FAT. Anybody ever heard of FAT? Faithful, available, teachable. Um, and I would just, that faithful part, let me just clarify, but Matthew 25, I think Jesus really gives us the definition of faithful. How many have ever defined faithful as the person that's just always around? Me, I, I, I still fight that. Oh man, bless Susie. She's just faithful. She's just always here. Oh my God. Susie, she's here again. She's everywhere I look, there's Susie. Everyone's looking for Susie because she's faithful, because she's all around. How many you can be all, you can be around all the time and have zero, zero competency? You can have zero, zero. Listen, Jesus said in Matthew 25, he defined faithfulness in only the, listen, it's crazy, but we have to start viewing faithfulness as this way besides just the person that's always around. He defined it as the person that multiplied what God gave them. To the person who had five bags of gold, they made five more. He said, well done, good and good and faithful servant. To the person that had two bags and he made four bags, he said, well done, good and faithful. So we have to move beyond faithfulness as just availability to faithfulness as multiplication. 
that I'm going to steward and multiply the very thing that God has given me. And I'll tell you, if we start defining faithfulness that way, the cream of the crop of the leaders that you have in your organization are going to start to rise. And now you're going to start seeing multiplication instead of addition. And you're never going to hear well done unless you've done well. Come on. Faithful, 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 available, uh, um, teachable. Start, start here when you're trying to identify a who before a do. A who before do. Just find a who. Don't, don't focus on a do. Find a who before a do. We, we have this little thing within Identify that we called sleepers. How many play fantasy football? Any fantasy fo- Sorry, ladies, if you don't play fantasy just get past that. Fantasy football. You can play fantasy football. Everybody can play fantasy football. They have this thing, this statistic that's interesting in fantasy football that says all of the fantasy football championships that have been won, doesn't matter what league you sign up for, blah, blah, blah. Every single one has been the, the person's team and their ability to identify sleepers in the draft, not the stars. Sleepers versus sleepers versus <coughs> stars. See, you, you can see stars. They're bright. They're shiny, they're very attractive, and they also have a big price tag. You got to search. Listen, stars are easy to find. Sleepers, you've got to search for. Sleepers, you've got to unearth something. You've got to do a little bit of digging. You got to do a little bit of work. See, what's interesting about stars is that stars will always burn out and then peace out. They never stay there because they're looking for the next thing. They're looking to build their thing. They're looking to build their platform, but they're so attractional to us. Why? Because we're always in need. We're always operating out of emergency base. Oh my God, I got to have a leader here. I got to have this. Oh, I got to have this and shiny, 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 shiny. Let me go look for, let me go look for the star. Let me go get that worship leader. That kid's director's killing it at that church. Let me offer them a big paycheck. I'm just telling you, if we can shift the identification from let me find a star to let me develop a sleeper, things are going to be able to change in your Church, we just, we, just, we just have this value at Heights that we're going to promote the right spirit over the right ability every single day. Every single day. So identify number two, you got to recruit. Identify, recruit. Never start with the what. Always cast vision to the why and promise them as you're recruiting them that their what is going to change. Promise them when you're recruiting them and you're, you're, you're giving a lot of ooh, ooh, ooh. Just promise them that their what is going to change. Their why never will. Because the, the, the why is the mission. The why is the vision. So when we're, when we're recruiting people, we're never saying, ooh, you're going to be the best kids. You might be the kids director right now. You might be in the parking lot two weeks from now. We're looking for leaders. We're not looking for titles. You got to choose. Come on. We got to just, at, at the, as the body of Christ, at some point, we got to start looking like Jesus where we're choosing a towel over a title. And we can't just, we're so, oh, you're going to be the director of this. You're going to be the director of this. Ooh, and you're going to be leading this. Yeah, until it changes, until we launch that campus, until we pack up out of a permanent space and move into a movie theater to save money. And then you're going to be the director of setup. Praise the Lord. (laughs) You got to identify, you got to recruit, you got to train, you got to empower, you got to empower. Come on, leaders, you gotta empower other leaders. You're never gonna develop them if you don't empower them. It's time to get out of the way. You guys have heard this. If they can do it 80% or better, get out of the way. Let some people lead. Stop micromanaging. Just empower some people. But yeah, but I can't empower because I'm worried they're not gonna do it. Listen, that why? Because if you empower, you're ready to do the fifth one, and that's evaluate. You can't empower unless you're gonna evaluate. 
And then just evaluate, just give honest feedback right away. Don't let it sit, don't let it sit. Is that helping fight for culture, develop leaders? The best example, come on, of leadership, you guys know this is who, it's Jesus. I love what Jesus did. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, being the best leader that there was. He knew that he only had three and a half years to raise up people that were gonna change the world forever. And out of that urgency, out of that urgency that I only have three and a half years that I'm gonna have to take people that know nothing and develop them into an army that's gonna be on the march that changes the entire world. He just had a simple philosophy. And it's the first three words that launched Jesus' ministry. See, a lot of people think it's when he looked at Peter and said, you know, I'll make you a fisher of men. It didn't start there. It started after his baptism. John baptized him and there were Andrew and John and he, he said, hey, go follow him. And they looked at Jesus and said, Jesus, where are you going? And Jesus' simple response that kicked off his ministry was come and see. Listen to me, pastors, leaders. It has, that's, that's about as low as commitment as you can get. <laughs> you want to just come on, come and see. But here's how masterful Jesus was. He didn't leave it there. This is where the development, the pipeline that we have to have in our church, it started as come and see. And he baited the hook It's low, low, low commitment. But as soon as they came, they, they were coming and singing the very next thing he says, Hey, if you want to be my follower and systematically over three and a half years, he begins to turn up the heat. If you want to be my follower, bear much fruit. If you want to be my follower, love your enemies. If you want to be my follower, forget. And he just over and over and over and over again. We got we to gotta, we gotta take people through a development process. Jesus was building something to last generationally, and I just believe we'd all grow. I just believe every church in here would grow if our commitment to make other people great was greater than our own commitment to make us great. Just make people better than you. Just, make, just be all about just building other people that are going to surpass you. If we're not doing that, listen, this thing's going to die when you die. I'm so thankful that I had a dad that thought generationally and a brother that thought generationally to think about, listen, we get, you got it. This thing's got to out. This thing's got to outlast you. Develop leaders. Let me give you this. We got, ooh, we got to go. Let me give you this next one. Great churches that are breaking this barrier love people over policy. Love people. Can I just look? <laughs> Can we just love people? I know this is crazy. I know you're wanting some big to dunt it off formula. You can just go plug and you just all the barriers, all the uh, break every chain. You know how you break every chain? You just love people. I just, we just stopped taking ourselves so seriously. Like we just all that. No, no, you, you, I'm gonna tell, I know it's, it's simplistic. I just think we got to. We just got to love people. I'm telling you, when the shepherd stops smelling like the sheep, that means he's not leading the pasture. We, we, we really, really, really good. We started with the sheep. We started loving them. We needed them bad. And then all of a sudden the, the fold started to get a little bit bigger. And all of a sudden we don't smell like sheep no more. We got to be in our office and we got this. And I'm just telling you, we love people. I, I, here's what we're learning is that people don't leave our churches because you're under construction. People don't leave your church because your website doesn't look cool. People don't leave your church because your worship guide accidentally had the wrong times printed on it. Well, maybe they do. No, I'm just. I'm, you know why people leave? Because nobody said hello. 
because nobody made a connection. Nobody, listen, they'll come to your building. They'll come to your thing the first time because it's really cool. They'll never stay because of that. They will never stay in your church unless they have a connection, unless they know that somebody is loving them and they're on somebody's radar screen. Too many services. We're, we, we're guilty of this. We're, we're working on it very hard. I just think too many of our experiences, our weekend experiences, they've become too transactional. You take your time to come do my thing. And there's zero, zero relationship. And I just, I, we believe, you guys know this, we all, we're all trying that people are gonna go where they're celebrated, not where they're tolerated. And it's time, again, I just think pastors, if we, we could break a barrier, we could break a growth barrier, if we just started valuing people over tasks instead of using people to accomplish our tasks. So we just, we, we, we put some things really quick, that practically in place to try to help us do this. Uh, you guys probably, again, have some that are even better. We, for our team, for our staff, uh, we have what we call the 30-30 rule. You guys ever heard of the 30-30? The most important minutes of every single weekend experience for us are the times be- right before and after the service. We're making our team. If you haven't done your job before the first 30 minutes of the service, guess what? It ain't getting done. And we'll worry about that on Monday when we evaluate. And we're going to fix it then. But on Sundays, we're loving the people. Get your rehearsal done, worship leader with the cool haircut. Take off your guitar and go talk to somebody. Get out and shake somebody's hand and say, hey, I'm t- how can I help you? Are you doing good? I, what would change again in our churches if even the senior pastor got out of your office, do your preparation in the week so you can come out and say, hey, how can I help you with your little cool microphone on your face? People looking around and be like, oh my God, are you the, pa- the pastor? You're not, you're not supposed to be out there. Let me tell you what the pastor is. He's a shepherd, which really means even us pastors, we're sheep. And all a pastor is, is a shepherd standing on his two hind legs, holding a staff. We're sheep too. We just got to get back to start loving, loving people, walk slowly through the crowd. I don't know if you thought this, but ain't none of us in this room Craig Rochelle yet. You ain't Craig. You can afford to just walk through your, your lobby and put a smile on your face. Some of y'all need to put a smile on your face right now because you're just angry. I'm looking at y'all's face. You can practice right now. We family. If that's how you look on Sunday morning, your church ain't never going to grow. I promise you that. You practice in the mirror, just staring at yourself, get a big old grin. Get yourself the joy. Come on, PC, the joy. Come on, get your joy back. Get your joy back, God. I don't care. If I just love the people, Lord, I'm faithful. You're going to do this thing. I'm going to go out there and love on some people. Just love the people. Next one, let me, I, got, I got to give you these last ones really quick. They pursue excellence. Churches that we're learning for from pursue excellence. How many know people don't go back to uninviting environments? You be, what we're figuring out is that the people that are coming to our church, they're already anxious enough coming to church. Like they just fought the whole way to church, killed each other, blood all over the car seats. Walking in feeling like they, they, they got to perform like I'm too blessed to be stressed. I'm too anointed to be disappointed. Really? No, we got, we got to create some atmospheres that, listen, bring down the anxiety level that they're already walking in with. Excellence brings some comfort. And I don't know why this is so frustrating to me that somehow the church 
of Jesus Christ. Acts 20 says it's, it's the very thing that Jesus gave his life for, the precious blood of Jesus Christ. But somehow we've tolerated and allowed this epidemic that's going around where we're just okay with things being sloppy. Jesus wasn't sloppy. If it was worth his blood, it's worth our effort. You can't have messy extension cords in your lobby. Go get a little tie wrap and hide it. You can't have your worship leader frowning and sour face at your whole entire church for 20 minutes. You can't have an unsubmitted spirit leading the first 20 minutes of your worship experience. That's not excellent. If there's anything that's excellent or praiseworthy, what? Think on these things. Dwell on these things. Reproduce these type of things in your church. Excellence, excellence. I'm just telling you, we all, not everybody's a pastor. We got to respect, listen, they're normal. We got to start respecting the humanity of people. They're just normal. We just got to bring, help bring down their anxiety level. They're already walking through our churches. What do you mean? You got worship. You got to get, I could listen. Y'all, you got to get some worship tracks. Some of y'all's worship's terrible because you're trying to, man, we got the most talented team on the world. No, you don't. They're awful. Some of y'all need to just start, start playing CD worship before you let Bob get back on the guitar again. You just start doing stuff. If your name's Bob, I'm not talking about you. I'm just, you know. I'm serious. They just think, walk through your environments. Is this excellent? Is this praiseworthy? People are going to come in here and be like, wow. I don't know if you know this. We're in the hospitality business. Stop learning from the Hampton Inn and go to the Ritz. Empower your people to take care of any need that your guest may have. That's excellent. You don't have to come to anybody to take care of a need that anybody that's coming to your experience has. I'm empowered. The answer is yes. Now, what's the question? So if you wouldn't stay there, if you wouldn't preach in it, if you wouldn't show it to a new guest who hates church, if you wouldn't leave your child there, change it. Just change it. You got to pursue excellence. Let me give you these last. You got to lean. The greatest churches that are breaking these barriers, they lean into relationships. Lean into relationships outside of your staff, outside of your little clique, holy huddle. Friends that are above you, that are teaching you. Friends that are beside you, that are encouraging you. And friends that are below you, that you're reinvesting in. And showing them. I can tell you right now, I don't have time. I would not be here right now. I would not be here right now. If it wasn't for my best friend, my wife. I would not be here if it weren't for my parents. I would not be here if it wasn't for Adam and Leslie, who pastor in the same exact city as we do 15 minutes away. I would not be here if it weren't for J.D. and Leah, who launched our churches on the same day. I wouldn't be here. I just, Charlie, stand up real quick. This is my older brother and my best friend in the world. I wouldn't be here if I didn't have a safe place where I could go to him and say, man, I have a dream in my heart. I don't know what to do with it. And I don't, I'm scared. And man, this is all weird to me. And him saying, no, man, go, go, go. I'm telling you, you better have some relationships in your life 
where you can just go and say, this is what's really going on. This, you, I don't even need to preach this. This is what the whole theme of this conference is like. But I, can't, I, can, I can guarantee you, if you are honest with yourself, 80% of the people in this room, you're lonely. And you're telling yourself, you're convincing yourself, no, I'm not lonely, because you think proximity solves loneliness. And if you want this in your life, let me tell you something, you gotta chase after it. You gotta pursue it. This didn't happen accidentally where we just, oh, let's just be best friends. We go going to call each other once a week and be besties. No, it's work. I'm just encouraging you got to lean in to relationships. We wouldn't be here if it weren't for focus for all these strategic God-given relationships that propelled our church. Every time we had a sin, a relationship, God would use a divine relationship, a divine connection that would propel us to the next growth barrier. You got to lean into relationships. And last one, we're going to do some Q&A. The best churches that we know are breaking this barrier are powered by the Holy Spirit. Powered by the Holy Spirit. I'm not being weird. or I just think that in our effort, the church, especially the new life-giving churches, and our effort to become attractional, we've actually alienated the most attractional asset that we have. Can I just tell you something? There's nothing more winsome or attractional than the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen, he's not weird. People are weird. All the stuff that's causing you to be like, ooh, my people won't understand Ooh, let me put it in a box. Ooh, that's people. That's not him. And if I'm honest, I, I think church is in good hands. And I can only say from my own life that there's, there's this draw where pastors and leaders, we can fall in love with a lifestyle instead of falling in love with the Lord. And what can this thing do for me? And if I can just get it to a thousand, then I can raise my pay. I can get a nicer house. I can do all these things and we've made, we're missing out, listen, on the very thing that gives you power despite your weakness. Yes. I'm not here to tell you what that looks like or what you need to do in that culture or in that context, but I'm telling you, you better get hold of the power of the Holy Spirit. You, you better start praying in your closet. You better call your church to prayer. You start in a safe place. But I'm telling you, you we, we better stay thirsty. We better stay desperate for the power and a move of God in our churches like never, ever before. I'm telling you, this work is too hard to do without power. And we can't get so calculated in our experiences that we decalculate or not. Yeah, well, I don't even know that's a word. I just made it up right now. Thank you. It's a good word. So calculated that we calculate out the spirit of God out of our services. And I just want to encourage you, you don't have to choose, by the way, whatever that looks like for you, you don't have to choose between life-giving and spirit-filled. They're the same thing. Oh, yeah, but we're just life-giving. No, you ain't. No, you're not. Because you can't have life without the Spirit of God moving and breathing all over your, all over your church. My goodness. To help, I hope that we're just sharing some values, some principles. Um, 
Baby, will you come, will you come up here? We, we have uh, we got some people that can help hand out these microphones. I got three microphones up here on the seat. And we just gonna, we got about 20, we got 19 minutes uh, for some Q and A. Um, and uh, I don't know that we're gonna be able to answer everything. By the way, if, if I don't know the answer, I'm just gonna tell you. I don't know. And, but we can find somebody that does. But go ahead. Drew Johnson, Church of the Bay in League City, Texas, Houston. What's up? This was great. This was amazing, by the way. Thank you so much. Take us in a conversation with you and your boys. And give us that do. This is, if we have this kind of heart, if we can just do this right here, if, if, if people can just get this. I'm not saying one hit a quitter or cookie cutter kind of a concept. I mean, just what you guys talk about. Oh, my God. If people can just have this. They can have what we have. Mm, that's a great question. Um, yeah, I, 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 the conversations that we've had, again, were... Um, always open, always honest. And I think when, if you don't think that you need, I think one of the biggest things that keeps us from making connection is distance. And you think the enemy is very strategic, by the way, he's convinced us that we're the only ones going through what we're going yeah. through. Um, and so there is no, we've marginalized safety. It doesn't exist. It's not real because if I open up that person's going to, you just have to have a place where no one else is competing with you. You got to get some friends that don't care if you succeed. They don't care if you fail. So here it is. What happened here was if you're, I'm not in this for what your church can do for me. Yeah, that's so good. It's going to be able to do something, but that's a byproduct. If you left the ministry and went into business, I'm still going to be your best friend. So I'm not drawn to the thing. I'm drawn to the person. And when you think that way about that is my boy, that is my person, this is who I'm going to do this life with, occupation does not matter. Yeah, come on. And, and, and you, 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 that's what I think fosters and creates that safety, that place where there's real accountability. Like real accountability keeps you from doing something, not just after. Everyone loves to find accountability is after. I think it's before. I hope that answers your question. I would say, too, um, I think what's powerful about the relationships is also that we as wives are connected. And so when we're spending time together, um, it's together as couples, not just the guys have the relationship and then, oh, you wife, you go fend for yourself. Because when we spend time together, we spend time together, the four of us. We can vacation together. Our kids love each other. And that is so much more powerful than just two guys sitting on FaceTime and then the wives are disconnected. You don't know what's going on their hey, babe, going out with the boys. Yeah. I, I, we learned that the hard way. Yeah. Because I would come home and she would want to know what happened. And I don't like to talk. And then she feels, oh, they're doing, yeah. they, they must be growing closer. And I'm, anyway, next question. Can you walk us through um, the stages of growth and then organizational changes you had to make internally at each of those stages? So uh, 300, 500, 700, whatever it was for you, you're like, okay, that caused us a team to reevaluate tweaks needed to be made and maybe two or three of those main things and what those were at. Yeah, that's, I could that's a whole session to, to answer your question quickly was, I believe that everything zero to 300, um, your organization, any, it depends on the leader, but everything zero to 300, maybe even 400, your organization should look like this. 
it's a flat organization. And the reason why is because you're fighting for, you're fighting for culture. Everybody needs to hear from you. You're, you're directing everything. You're depositing everything. We didn't really know what to do. When we, that was our first growth barrier. We went to, from zero to 300 sustained, not launched very, very quickly. And then after that, we were like, oh my gosh, what do we do? I didn't know what to do. Take that back to divine relationships. Focus 412 and Phil Klein and Philip Engel. Phil, put your hand up. This is it. Focus 412. Put it up again. If you need any type of structure or breakthrough or anything like that, you need to run to Phil right after this thing. His organization, listen, saved our church. We were 300 and we didn't know how to grow it deep. We didn't know at what points to appoint team leaders, uh, directors, coordinators, and all these things. And they walked us through systematically um, how to structure that. So anyway, I think 300, it's, it's flat, I think. Uh, beyond that 300 to five, 600, you add a layer or two layers of leadership, directors, coordinators. I'd love to, to, to talk about that a little bit more too after that. Um, but every single time we added a layer of leadership and went that we saw growth and we were continuing to release and release and release. And that got us to 600. And then we'd add a layer of leadership to take care of the more people. And then we'd get to like 700 back down um, to where we're now, we're averaging about 1250 and we're still at that um, Staff, director, coordinator, team lead level, um, very, very, very much once a month, all of those teams getting all together. We can, I hope, I hope, that, I hope that helps. It's not a very good answer, I don't feel like. Next question. So I was feverishly trying to take notes, and you were saying a lot of amazing things. I hope that this is something that you say often enough that when I start it, you're going to be able to finish it again because I didn't get the end of it. Okay. When you were talking about fighting for culture, you said, when why you start serving is the last thing you remember. Everything becomes inconvenient. Thank you. <laughs> Next question. Oh, God. B? Some of our best friends, too. <laughs> What's up? You guys did an amazing job. Oh, thanks, um, Hey, quick question. Um, what are some of the practical things you do to build leaders outside of, you know, maybe Girl Track during the week? Do you lead a class? Do you, like, what are the things you're doing to build leaders? For me as a senior pastor, this, is, this has evolved and changed as the church has grown. Um, again, because I'm relational, relational, everything, how I lead, and again, Focus 412 helped me kind of define this because I didn't really know my flow. I've tried to be JD before, and it's, I'm the worst version of JD ever because <laughs> I'm operating out of my weaknesses instead of out of my strengths. And so I'm very, very relational. So a lot of my leadership development is going to happen at a restaurant. It's never going to happen in my office. It doesn't happen in my office. Uh, Brandon right here, he's my executive campus director. 90% of the development that he gets happens when we work out together. We're at the gym. We're working out. And I'm asking questions. Hey, some of the best development questions that you can ask the people that are closest to you. So pastors, you can only pastor and, and develop the people that you're closest with, I believe. And then you're going to have to start, right, releasing and having other, people's, other people start leading. So right now, I'm developing what we call all staff. You guys do the same thing. Once a month where I'm having uh, my whole entire, uh, even, and we have about, how many volunteers do we have that come to that all staff once a month? You probably think. Probably six. Probably six or seven are our highest level volunteers that work full-time jobs, take a day off work and come once a month because they're leading at a very, very high level, plus our staff. And then beyond that, we have leadership development every single Tuesday. Um, so I hope that. Man, so good. I wish you can do it in Spanish so I can understand. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. Um, we know that 
we always have more vision than budget. We know that sometimes we're going to have more leadership, more people than leaders, right? How you close the back door. Because if you have a lot of people growing, 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 you always have turnover, people, you know, trying to, I know it's another, probably another, another training or another speech, but maybe you can give us your part, your feedback, how you did it. Close the back door? Yeah, our back door's got a little crack in it. <laughs> so I understand exactly your question. Hey, this, is, this has been very, very uh, a stress reliever for me. You ain't going to keep everybody. But that cannot be an excuse. So you, I think every single one of us in the room, you're balancing the tension of wanting everybody to stay. And when they don't, it's personal but also understanding that God gives you people for different seasons to help you break certain barriers. But then those, that scaffolding to get you through that barrier has to come down. So it doesn't matter if you vault your back door. People are, people are going are gonna to leave. And um, I believe if through the cracks. So there's no, there's no caulk. There's no sealant. Uh, yeah, spiritual. I just think if we um, love people. You got to have a system for on-ramping. You got to be training that, that whole thing about evaluating, evaluating, evaluating your dashboard, uh, monitoring the growth. Are we gaining? Here's how we honestly, we, I don't, I just said we don't focus on our back door, but as long as we're winning and we have more people that are staying than leaving, I can't worry about trying to make everybody happy and keep every single person that walks through the doors of our church. But it's a real big problem. If you got more people leaving than coming, then you better test it. Yeah, that's great. Jay, why don't you come get a microphone? Can you get that mic? Come up here and help me. Yeah, yeah. As you're growing and managing those, adding those layers you were talking about, how do you kind of manage those people that were once connected to you but now are not and keeping them encouraged? <laughs> yeah, that's painful because I'm, like I've already said, that's one of the, that's one of the downfalls of leading relationally and loving people so hard is that when people leave you, what do you do? I think the answer to that is you, we have to understand, and some, even my team that's here, they understand no matter how much I love them and if they left, how bad it would hurt, where we're going, our mission has priority. So I think always, always, always in everything that we do, you need to understand that we're always making the decision for the people that aren't on the, in the room yet. So we're so glad that you're here. We're so glad that you're, but I think leaders, sometimes it's like culture. We set the vision, we set the mission, then we just leave it. And then people get all sideways and start wanting to, they're, they're, they're evaluating their position and their status in the organization. Oh, I'm close with Pastor Josh. I'm close with Pastor Crystal. And we used to be able, we hear that all the time. You guys used to be, I have time for us. You guys used to come over to our house for barbecues. Yeah, well, the church used to be 200 people. So if you think your barbecue is more important than the mission that God gave in my heart, we ain't never going to work. So I got to build and I got to surround myself and continuing to put kingdom culture in my closest friends. Um, and not everybody's going to be able to make that jump. And that's, that's a sucky part about pastoring. Um, I think I had to learn to stop managing their insecurities. That's great. Managing other people's insecurities. That's why I brought him up here. The king of the one-liners. Y'all better start, get your notepads back out. He just got on stage. Come on, we got seven minutes. Let's get. 
Um, could you unpack that a little bit? What that looks like, and like, is it is it church wide? Is it that's a great question. So for us, at a church-wide level, let me start there and then I'll break it down to the every Tuesday thing. You guys ever heard of like people to do first Wednesday or some of y'all got Wednesday night services, worship night, blah, blah, blah. One of the things that we developed and through Focus 412 again, which is that relationship piece, um, we knew that we were gonna provide more for our church family if we were developing leaders rather than if we just had some really cool one-night worship experience that they were gonna forget the goosebumps 20 minutes after it ended. So first Wednesday moved from encounter worship night to all dream team development. So every, the first Wednesday of every single month, Wednesday night, we gather every single leader in our church and all it is is vision, culture, what's next, evaluation, high level, high level, high level, and we do that for about 45 minutes and then for the last 45 minutes, we break them down into their teams. So I'm done. I, I did the only thing that I can do, which is culture, vision. Here's what I see. Cheerleader. Let's charge the hill. Bleed out on the floor. Let's go. Why, 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 why? And then we break down to directors and staff, and they're taking the, greed, the, the first impression team and the parking team, and the, all the other teams are breaking out all throughout our building. It doesn't matter if you're, you can do it in a house. We did it in a house for a long time. And they're going, here's what we see. Here's something we saw last week. Let's start working on this. Don't be late again. Blah, blah, blah. Why aren't you responding to emails? And they're doing a lot of the, the one-on-one stuff and correcting it that way. Um, and then every once a month I do all staff. That's a layer up from that, which is all directors and staff. And then every single Tuesday to answer your question, um, it's not Tuesday night, it's Tuesday during, we do, um, I, I pastor my staff. I lead the staff through that. So it'll be, we're going to get to a lot of stuff. We're going to go through hits and misses. But before we do that, my, my staff that's leading directors is going through. And I would say, sorry guys, my voice, but I would say that once a month is consistent and it's scheduled, but it's on layers. So the same people don't come each month. Um, it's like highest. And then the next month it's a layer. And then the next month is a layer. So you can focus on different things with the different layers that you need. Four quarterly things a year, four things a year with everybody. We can talk more about that. What do you evaluate and how regularly do you evaluate it? It's a great question. Very specific. Um, thanks for being really specific. I almost got away with that. Um, no, no. So when we evaluate, we never, ever address problems. We never ever address the hand without addressing the heart. So in your evaluation, something that's been very, very helpful is you can make statements or you can ask questions. We found that the best, best evaluation always comes when the leader just asks questions instead of makes statements. Why did you do that, idiot? <laughs> I've always heard it was, it's great. If you ever want to know if it's a statement or a question, just add you idiot at the end of it. It'll tell you if you're asking a question or making a statement. Um, that can never, ever happen again. Versus, and we do this weekly in our one-on-ones. Um, versus, listen, listen, remember, we're all about development. You rob somebody the ability to self-develop if you just make statements. So statements versus, hey, how do you think that went? And they're going to give you everything you need to know to correct and evaluate. How, do you, how are you feeling? What's going on in your life? 
How is your family? See, you're mad at the results that you're getting from the person, but what you don't know because you didn't address their heart was that their husband and wife have been fighting and he's been working 90 hours a week and he's a volunteer. So we'll never ever have to evaluate and correct what they're doing before who they're becoming and the who that's going on. So I'm, I would like, I think the best thing happens when you always address the who, what's going on, ask questions, don't make statements. That's good. One thing, one thing that I think, obviously every leader needs key performance indicators. They need to know what the win is and we need to let them know if they won. But then I don't think we look for the right time to evaluate. I think we always evaluate. Every time I see them evaluating, we call it instant feedback, always feedback. So don't look for the right time to evaluate, always evaluate. Otherwise, it'll be awkward. If it's awkward, you're not evaluating long, often enough. So it's not, yeah, it's true, not win, just do it all the time. Two minutes, one more question. Uh, yeah, the order of service, it, I didn't want to get Crystal said it uh, was leading to it was uh, the first month we do it, we break it down in course. First month, it'll be all dream team. The second month of that, that first Wednesday of that month uh, will be, somebody say something, I'm going to draw a blank. It's coordinators, coordinators and directors. And then the, then the next month, it'll be coordinators, directors, team leaders. And then the next month, again, you're back at the top of the quarter and it's all dream team. And what you're doing is you're always keeping your leaders in front of you. You're always keeping vision fresh in front of them. You're always keeping um, that. And then your people that are leading all those people, you know, are hearing from you weekly. Um, Hey, um, I sure do love you guys. I'm so honored and thankful to have been able to share. Um, 